We here at Sports Best Friends acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land, water and sky throughout Australia on which we record. We recognise their strength, diversity, resilience and deep connection to country. We pay our respects to Elders of the past, present and future as they hold the memories, knowledge and spirit of Australia. Hello and welcome to Sports Best Friends, NRL Adoro, a rugby league podcast. This season is Parlando Solo di Jackson Hastings. It will be unbelievable and I think it, it probably will be a dream that we're chasing and um, I just hope we go good. I'm Big T Views on and I'm recording these views on the Ruben Wiki hotline with everyone's new best friend, OD. How are you feeling, sir? Oh, fantastic. After that weekend of footy, um, a lot of high quality games and uh yeah it's good to just have a nice long weekend and enjoy some time with the family now just to usually we would do a few games three or four but in the interests of of everyone's um days or weeks that they've got to get onto we're only going to do two games because we're going to fucking wax so lyrical about both games particularly the tigers game that i just thought it'd be nice for all those other people not to listen to two hours of us chat just an hour and 30 minutes but before we do that, I do want to quickly run through what you just said then, because I think this round was arguably the best round of rugby league we've had since, or NRL this side of COVID. The Cowboys and Raiders game was an absolute cracker, 18-12, moving back and forth the whole time. No one's got a handle on either teams yet. The Cows are either could actually be good this year and the Raiders should be good. Are they going to be good? We'll get to your game later. The Panthers and um, Broncos game, which which I know we watched and we were going to we were going to do, I think, but the um, that game, it's 40 to 12, but that game was way better than the score looks. Brisbane was in it. The first half was incredible. Yeah, totally agree. I thought, uh, I did not expect that at all from the Broncos. No. When they came out showing all that fight, I was, geez, I was very excited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Manly, Manly in Manly, they looked great. The crowd was fantastic. Titans looked like they could have done the comeback because, again, no one's really got a real handle on the Titans. They should be good. Are they going to be good? The Storm and Sharks looked like it was possibly going to be the game of the weekend. Again, 34-18 doesn't show what the score was like. That game was insanely good. I think just the quality of those two teams, you knew it was going to be good. And, and as you said, that final scoreline doesn't really do it justice um, for the Sharks, unfortunately. Uh, and just that class of Munster got them over the line with a few extra, few extra points in the end. Three dummies in one play. Like, that was outrageous. And like dummies on dummies, like yeah. Not not your usual <laughs> dummies. Like turning his whole body, twisting. He's looking like he's uh he's pivoting on the hips there, and just, <laughs> he maintains his strength through the tackle so well. He's, he's got yeah, and the big hair energy to step in tackles. That's what I love. He's already thinking about. He's getting away from the next defender who's running at him while the last one's still trying to put him down. Fuck that guy. Uh, Roosters, Warriors, also great. Roosters, Warriors, no one rates, and so it always looks good when they do great things. Walsh, you know, was doing some really electric things there. Roosters should be a lot better, but aren't. So that, that was another great game. Dragons and Knights then pipped um, the Sharks and, and Melbourne for the game of the round because that game, Dragons are terrible, but, oh, my God, they might be good. Dra- Knights should have been better, but aren't. So they were in a perfect little, like a perfect match 
Uh, and then they just scored on score. They were just fighting each other the entire way. Yeah, it was a perfect storm that game. Um, I feel like the Knights played down and the Dragons played up and they yeah. met, met right in the middle. Um, and yeah, again, another awesome game of footy that probably pipped the Storm and the Sharks for game of the round. Uh, yeah. Until yeah. To... <laughs> until we get to where we're going to get to. So it's, uh, yeah, and I just love that last try where Amon, again, dummies go. So many dummies. Dummies and offload, stepping in tackles. Oh, makes me so happy. Rugby league makes me so happy. Uh, and so that was a long weekend. It just felt like every day there was another game, not just another game to watch, but another game to just be really excited that it was on. And so the NRL, I don't know how much of it's just players are coming out of a COVID like um, slumber. And so they're playing, but yeah, hangover, that's a better word. And so they're just playing better or we're all just enjoying it more or that ruling where you get a penalty in the first 40, but the six again in the other bit, it might actually be really smart. We're getting the, Fast attacking players, but also like the less shittery in the defensive bit, maybe. Yeah, it's been, um, it's sort of leveled it out a bit so that one team that gets a few of them in a row isn't completely busted. And then mm. the whole game is sort of a write off. You know, you've still got a chance to fight back and get some momentum back in there. Um, I think, I don't know if it's Volandis is coming up with all these little tweaks to rules and additions. I'm sure he's got a whole group of people advising him, but. The game is has never been better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, since we're able to punch on and um, hit people <laughs> in the head with shoulders and all that sort of stuff. I thought you were going to say since 2014. And I was going to say since 2005, but I take your point. <laughs> if anybody watched a series of rugby league games, they'd never go back to watching Union or AFL or soccer. Space versus Feet fans. Now, Space because... Uh, I'm not sure we've done an Space game. Space because... I know a, a lad like yourself would be able to speak pig Latin. So Unspay means spoon uh, because they love they love a wooden spoon and a lot of their fan base loves a bit of pig Latin. Chad and Ilche Opus or Snilches. So they uh, they get the Unspays. And feet fans, we've done a bunch of times, rabid toes, and they love their feet. So first, tell me about this bloke at Dennis Graham 7. He said, really impressed with Taff. Excellent kicking game. Cool under the high balls. Good game. What do you think? Yeah, uh, look, Dennis Graham, I'm pretty sure that's the name of Drake's dad. That was the first thing that's stuck out to me. Uh, <laughs> Blake Taff, um, moving on to the, the meat of the sandwich. Um, I love him at fullback. And I think there's a couple of things that he doesn't offer that Luttrell does, you know, right. that big body. But he's, and we talked about this last week, he's, got, he's still got a great set of hands on the ends of um, ball movement out wide. He doesn't drop a ball, um, although there was one time where he didn't even get to a ball, but that's just a Matt Burton freak, freak mm, kick. Mm. Um, and he still, he, he'll make you that 10 plus meters back every time he catches the ball. I love him. I love him at fullback and he's young. He's only going to get better. Yep. Um, and, he, and he's got a combination with Ilias. I thought um, him and Ilias worked really well together last week and, and again this week. You didn't see their little uh, chip through uh, trick play this week, but you could still see that they were sort of hovering around and talking to each other a lot. Um, And I think that sort of connection and that synergy is really important for a team. I think Taft brings it. Um, Yeah, Trell's out for eight weeks. He might be coming back into centres. Yeah, well, that's your dream. Damien Cook scores the 29th minute, the 31st minute and the 65th minute. It's his first hat-trick. I mean... How was that? 
he's obviously a listener of the podcast. <laughs> we, we, we bagged him, I think, two weeks ago, and he's had two of his best games in years back to back. So, mate, it's, it's so good to see Cookie playing like that again. Um, he's electric, obviously, uh, with his running game, but he's also got some, or he's just started to really demonstrate his superior vision. Because uh, for that yeah. first one, we went over from close. I just did not think uh, that it was on at all, but, but he did. Uh, it's obviously why he's playing the NRL and I'm uh, hosting a podcast. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's, um, yeah, I'm so stoked about that. And you can see that South play better when he's darting around and, and sort of putting the defence in two minds around the ruck all the time it means that first man out gets a little bit of an easier run. He might make an extra two metres uh, on his run or, you know, slip an, an arm past a body and uh, be able to get an offload or a quick play the ball. Um, and I think that uncertainty that Cookie creates is is going to be vital for the Bunnies throughout the rest of this season. 30,000 people there at that game, which is which is excellent, at a Bulldogs-South game. Where were you watching it? Uh, I was watching it at home, uh, just on the couch with the family. Um, my little baby bunny was watching it with me. Baby um, bunny, cute. Yeah. So she was, um, I would love to say she was engrossed, but she was sort of on and off between that and sucking her toes. So, <laughs> Rather toes. She's a feed fan. Makes sense. That's Beautiful. It. That's it. <laughs> And the, um, so yeah. that's that's Taff and Cook. Tell me about the rest. How else did you see the game, the south side of the game in general? Well, there was one thing that I noticed before the game had even started, and I was wondering if you'd pick up on it. So it's a Tane Milne uh, thing here. Fuck, yes. And Cam Murray sprints out of the tunnel. The next person out, I think, might have been Liam Knight, sprints out behind him. And then Tane Milne is walking so slowly, and you can see that all the players are piled up behind him. <laughs> I was watching that and just going, come on, mate. Everyone wants to get out there and do their thing. He's just holding up the traffic. Um, so I thought, yeah, I thought you might notice that. I definitely did. I've got an eagle eye on Tane Mill these yes. days. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, and when Paulo comes back, if Paulo comes back, it'll be him. And, uh, or my eyes will be split on those two guys. Um, yeah, I think basically Cook and Taff are the big, big points. I loved that Kyle Flanagan did well. I'm really enjoying mm. his redemption story uh, because he's been um, getting kicked while he was down for you know more than more than a whole season at the Bulldogs, and they threw him in. Everyone said you know they were he was a sacrificial lamb against the Panthers, and he played really well. And he's come back against the Bunnies, and that first try, that that long floating ball he gave was was awesome, uh, yeah. and he, he provides a point of difference in attack, which is something that the Dogs have lacked. Um, and yeah, hopefully they stick with him. So let me I jump guess, in there because, yeah. because now you're talking about him at the Matt Bungard. He tweeted superb kick from Flanagan and brutally unlucky for Naden. But this must be the only sport on earth where we complain at nauseum about correct decisions. Because again, I think that was that was a great kick by Flanagan. Kind of what you're saying there. It's a new spark, a new thing you wouldn't see there. Naden is obviously new to their team as well. He's been great. Uh, his kick chase is phenomenal. I loved that that was the wrong call. In live, it looked amazing. Like I was just, I couldn't believe it. And that may have been the one that you're talking about where Taft didn't get to it or, or he almost, you know, like he finally looked like he was out of position because it was good football from Flanagan. Um, but once we saw on the replay that it, it, it bobbled it, and although it was minor and small and maybe 20 years ago we wouldn't have cared, you know, every other time we're going to watch it now, we care. So we had to, we had to pull that one back. Um, Blocker was hating it. The, ref, the commentators were hating it. But 
and it would have been it would have been one of those maybe momentum times where if Canterbury had scored, you know, they may have gone on with it a bit, but it didn't. So we had to give that up. I think I think that that goes to your point. Though, that Canterbury look better at the moment. Yeah, hundred percent. And you're starting to see these all these new players that are coming in are starting to work with each other. Um, and the the dogs forward pack is just strong um, all over the park. I think Luke Thompson is a, is a gun. I think he's pretty underrated. Um, I thought he played really really well. Uh, Paul Vaughan um, added some solid stints in there. Yeah, and I think after getting blasted, like absolutely destroyed last week, I think Duffy sort of pulled his finger out and realised that you know I'm still playing first grade footy and I've got to got to play like a first grader. Um, it, it almost looked last week like he was sulking a bit. Mm. Um, he's come out and put that behind him. Um, but yeah, I think the dogs are only going to get better as the year goes on because those um, connections and and combinations are. Um, you know, what a great team is based on and they're still building them. Yep. Um, uh, so it was it was good to see them compete. Uh, but, yeah, that sin bin um, was a pretty drastic turning point in the game. You I'm know? glad you brought that up. First of all, Luke Thompson, by the way, played almost 70 minutes in that game, which is incredible for a front rower. Um, so the sin bin was the next thing I wanted you to talk about because you messaged me going almost immediately or not long afterwards saying that that was – that was a big turning turning point for you. How did you? You really now that you've had some time to think about it, you're still vibing that. Yeah, I think I just think not just in this game, but in in any games where they occur, sin bins are so. I mean, and they're meant to be right. Like it's a it's a consequence for um, a negative play or a negative action. But I just think in some situations they can hurt far more than others. You know, and a team like the Bulldogs who aren't expected to be competing with South, but they are, um, and they're making it a tough game, and South are struggling to find their way into it, and then that happens, mm. and that was that was pretty much game over. Um, I wasn't concerned um, that we were going to lose before then. I thought, you know, we're still in it. We had more class, um, and that we would eventually win. But when that simbin happened, it sort of took. I took that uncertainty out of the game and I sort of think, thought to myself, oh, well, we've got this wrapped up. doesn't matter how long it takes or how many points, but we'll have the upper hand here. Uh, well, Pat McCarty had a theory not long ago, maybe three years ago, when they were really loving Simbins. Um, uh, and it had one of the greatest rounds of my life where every single game, all eight games had a Simbinning in it. It was amazing. Um, the, I just distinctly remember where I was as well for the last game on the Sunday night. The... Um, she had a bin-win um, theory where often the team that had the sin binning happen to them would go on and win it because they were often galvanised by the injustice or we've got to work harder because we're one person down. And so there was a chance that that might happen uh, if this was any other team. But I agree, because it was the Bulldogs and you, you just needed that extra, like, small advantage and the Rabbits were never going to let um, Canterbury take that. It happened in the 26th minute, Jeremy Marshall King got um, binned. And then Cook scored these two tries in that period before maybe there was three tries actually before he came back think, so yeah th- there was three tries in that in that little stint yeah um i've just got a little a little stat here that um this year so far teams that have a player sent to the bin um lose in that 10 minute period they they have a points differential of negative five basically 
Oh, right. Um, but then for, for the rest of the game, so not just in that 10 minutes, but for the rest of the game, um, it's, it's a, negative, a negative differential of eight points, which when you look at how close a lot of the games have been this year um, and, you know, we return to that, the change in those rules that seem to have sort of flattened out the competition and you don't know which teams are going to beat which teams yeah. each week, really, apart from a couple of um, standout uh, teams that are dominating. Anyone can beat anyone. And I think, you know, a negative points differential of eight um, after a sin binning from a whole game is enough to to win you the game. So, Well, looking at this round alone, Eels would have won, Knights would have won, Warriors would have changed, uh, the Titans would have levelled with Seagulls, sorry, the Warriors would have levelled with the Roosters, uh, and the Raiders would have beaten the Cowboys. So that's half the games would have changed just purely on that, if that stat, you know, had, had happened in one of those games. So that's crazy. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Sinbin in regards to the the Bunnies and Dogs game was was massive because I think, you know, 18 points uh, in 10 minutes is... They're not coming back. The league teams are coming back from that, no. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and then that goes... That goes to, I know you're trying to say that the dogs are doing better, but at Freddie uh, Farja, Farage, sorry, he's tweeted, poor performance by the dogs, really thought this was a big chance for them to win the game. Obviously, the 10-minute Simbin didn't help, but they crumbled like biscuits within the 20-minute period between the two halves. And then Andrew Macker also went on to say, I'm so upset at myself for thinking this season would be any different and that we ever had any chance today. That's me done. So a lot of the the Bulldogs fans are often they're back at the bottom of the table um, after the Tigers win, and don't worry, we will talk about that if you're here for that. But uh, it's um, they're 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 not seeing it. They're not seeing the huge improvements or enough improvements to feel like they're going to win again. I think. I mean, I guess the big part of that is the improvement came before that sin bin, like yeah. when the dogs were competing hard, um, and you know potentially. If I was looking at the dogs with a keener eye, I may have noticed, um, you know, their heads going down a bit. There definitely was a lot of drop ball, and but I think you see that from from every team. I don't think that's something that's you know just a bulldogs problem. Um, but yeah, I think they've still are lacking. They've got Josh Adokar, who's a great leader in a football team. I feel like they're still lacking someone who just will pull everyone together. Mm. Say, get around me, follow me do what I say and we'll get out of this hole. Um, and that's probably where F- Freddie Farage has mentioned that 20-minute period where they yeah. crumble. That's where you really need that, you know, the Dale Finucane or the um, the Cam Murray or someone to to just say, hey, we're still in this. Don't give up. Keep your eye on the prize. We've still got, you know, 30, 40 minutes or whatever it may be mm. to win this game. Um, but I, f- I felt bad. For the dogs like that, that's been changed the game massively. And look, you do the wrong thing, you you suffer the consequences. But you do think what could have been score thirty six to sixteen. Um, the South points for that for the hyper M's. Cookie got three, Murray got two, and Kalamatangi got one. Walker unlucky not to get a point. They said here. The Bulldogs, Dufty got the three. There you go. As you were saying, he, he played a much better game. Vaughn, another guy that you mentioned. And Thompson, shit, you could have done the same points. Or it was so obvious that any idiot could have come up with the same um, thing. The three went to Dufty, two to Vaughn, and one to Thompson. Vaughn and Thompson should have got 1.5 each, to be honest. He said that they were the same. So, um, Was that you doing the points? No, not at all. It's a, a guy called oh, Vendetta. So, yeah, it's just 
There you go. Any other notes you got on South? Because we're going to spend the next hour and a half on Tigers. I'm not going to let you talk about South. <laughs> so have at it. No, uh, no, not really, mate. I'm I'm happy with how we're tracking. Um, the team's getting better each week. Uh, it was good to get a, a good win. Um, looking forward to to next week. On the ladder at the moment, you guys are eighth, but that's a log jam there because I think there's you and the Cowboys have both won three games, and then there's a shitload of people who've won four games. So it's really quite toast. And in fact, the Warriors have also won three games. So that that nine through uh, nine through three are all a game apart from each other. So that's that's amazing uh, at the moment. Uh, yes, yeah, so I agree. You, you do look like you're tracking well. Paramatasala versus your mighty West Tigers. What a game. This then eventually ended up giving all games, and not just because it was close, but because it was such an excellent game of football. Uh, I was spending this with the Easter with the fam. It was uh, my grandmother-in-law's 87th birthday, so we're over at my in-laws. And for anyone who's playing along at home, I've, my sister-in-law is a massive Eels fan, and so she um, she was also there, so it was great. And everyone, including me, were, were asking about Eels by how much. Um, but but it was great. Um, so let's look first at the Eels, um, at the bad boy Chapo. He said, RCG is having a game. Now, I know that you and I, after like two weeks, were giving RCG so much grief. And I got a message from um, from David Hunter himself saying, I really think you're giving RCG too much grief. He's playing much better. And I realized that I maybe wasn't watching enough Eels games. And since then, every single time I watch a game, I'm pe- terrified of his uh, post-contact meter dash offload because he seems to get that trucking leg still moving similar to James, uh, James Tamo is just the legs are still moving, still upright. And then he can often just pivot himself around and get that really frustrating offload where it's been such a long time in the tackle that most of the defensive lines treat, retreated and the markets are getting set or whatever. And so once that offload pops out, there's so much space. Uh, and I just think I've also writ large devalued the Eels forward pack because all of them eight through to 13 are fire. Yeah, they are, they're guns. And it's because they they bring so much difference. There's all different body shapes. There's Sean Lane, who's like a skyscraper. There's Junior <laughs> Paula, who's a bowling ball. Then there's Regan Campbell Gillard, who's like a mix of them both. There's Nathan Brown, who's like, you know when you go 10-pin bowling and you get one of the really light balls that barely fits your fingers in, but you really want to whip it down? He's like that sort of bowling ball. Um, and obviously Papali'i, who's oh. the Dally and second row of the year, um, yeah. which you guys must be stoked about getting next year. Well, um, you say that, but he wasn't this great with the Warriors, and I'm worried that you know he won't be that great with us. But it's you know hopefully he will be. Yeah, well, let's just wait and see. You missed Marnie, though, as well, who's part of that forward pack, who's just such a weapon in the defensive line and just such a great passer of the ball from the ruck. Yeah, and he's always sniffing around. He's almost like a yes. little mini fullback. He's always yes. ready to like, explode through the middle, um, following up you know, Gutho or Dylan Brown or whoever's made, or Mitch Moses. Mitch mm. Moses' speed, uh, footwork, passing, everything. Um, he's... He's having the best season of his life so far. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the terrifying thing about the Eels is that they have those two excellent halves. They're both playing really high-quality football. I mean, you just mentioned that Mitchell Moses is playing possibly the best of his career, and he's already played well enough to play Origin. Dylan Brown also has been playing well enough to play for New Zealand. At Braden J. Brady tweeted, Mitch Moses is the second-best halfback in the comp on ability and ceiling. 
Because that's the other thing. Like, I don't think we've actually seen the best of him yet. Like, he seems like he's still on a trajectory. Yeah. He's, um, oh, it'll be so good watching him and Nathan Cleary battle for the halves position for New South Wales for the next five years, um, you know, at least. If Mitch keeps this up, it'll be it'll be a close run thing because he's got Cleary's defense is probably better, um, mm. but Mitch Mitch's running game probably pips Cleary's, and they're both able to put in pinpoint kicks uh, and passes. Uh, like yesterday, that Mitch Moses grubber coming back towards the post. I can't remember who it was who picked it up and scored that try for them. It was, I think, the fullback. Gutherson scored okay, one like yes. that. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, you know, it's so hard to be your whole attack swinging out to the side and he turns, straightens and angles this kick back in towards... From dummy uh, half. Play. He scoops it from dummy half, looks up and then pinpoint because because Dane Laurie's not necessarily out of position in that one. I watched it a couple of times thinking he was, but he's in the perfect position for what you'd imagine if your halfback is scooting from dummy half. It's just the kick is so good and Gutherson's yeah. line is so good that it was near impossible to stop. Yeah, he's um yeah Dane Laurie, he had a game. Um, yeah, I think uh, well, we're talking about eels, buddy. Let me get to Dane Laurie's got his own his own section. Okay, oh sweet, we need needs a section after that. Game. <laughs> so I think the thing that held them the eels back in this is everyone else. So so their forward pack's great. Their bench rotations, I, I hadn't really noticed that much, but I know online uh, some of the eels fans were a bit weirded out by the bench rotation. I. When I'm watching a game like that, I'm not I'm not savvy enough to be really be keeping track of that kind of stuff. I did see a lot of people getting injured on both sides uh, and really annoying positions like wingers, centres, fullbacks, hookers, because it's so hard to replace those um, off your bench. But I did think that I think Nakora and Simonson had great times sometimes with the ball, same with Panasini, with their running return kick kind of things. But some of their coolness under pressure or when, when the Eels finally had us on the ropes just their polish in the last pass, the second last pass, was the thing that was killing the Eels all game. Yeah, and polish polish is the exact right word for it because it was just that that last little bit of class that they were missing. Um, you know that those players have, um, but I think I think the pressure probably got to them of like this is the team that's coming last and hasn't won. Um, we should be able to score in every play, and I think they were sort of expecting to do that rather than. Um, you know, building pressure and just working through a game plan, um, which I think probably would have caused you guys a lot more grief than, you know, these sort of pass-pushing plays. Um, Braith, Braith said it really interestingly. No, not Braith, sorry, uh, um, Ennis. He was having one of his absolute Hollywood times, though, where he was just, he was really enjoying the rasp in his voice and just firing everyone up and, you know, trying to drag people along with the emotion of it. But he was saying the problem that Eels are having is that, when the team's so poorly defensively organised like the Tigers, they give you so many attacking options that sometimes you get frustrated that you're not scoring on every one because you can see so many things to do. Um, and it was, you know, they're almost spoiled for choice. Breath of uh, sorry, Ennis was trying to say that they're, they're trying to score twice in the same play. You know, they can see two massive errors that the Tigers have made and they're trying to do them both rather than just take their time and score. But look, I don't, I don't know about you, but for, for the first whole half, Eels couldn't, couldn't nail it, but I knew they would. You know what I mean? Like, they, they didn't have the polish, but they do have the polish. We've seen them all year. They're incredible. They beat the, the Storm not long ago. At Ladies Who League, who's a fantastic account who, who loves her Eels, she tweeted, I'm not confident. At Eels TCT, uh, which is the Cumberland Throw, tweeted, I hate sport. And at Hyper NRL, they tweeted, 
neither am I. And I was just surprised. They're three of my favorite, um, three of my favorite Parramatta accounts. All three of them at the end of that first half were just feeling like this wasn't going to happen. And I was just like, is it inevitable that you will? It's great. I was so I was trying to constantly remind myself, you are playing well. You are not being embarrassed. This is great. So when the when they eventually do score and they will score, like just be happy that you've had this 40, 50, 60 minutes of greatness. Were you also watching that thinking like, wow, the Tigers are playing well, but the Eels are going to need to eventually pull one out? Yeah, I was expecting them to. Um, yeah. And I'm not, nothing in the game sort of tipped you off to that, though, because they, they played – it wasn't their best game. A lot of drop ball from early on. Um, and so they hadn't given any indication that they were going to turn it on and fire up. But I, I expected it to happen just because – you know, it was, it was one of the top four teams in the comp, mm. first yeah. one of the bottom teams. Um, but I just, I mean, going back to Ennis commentating, I don't think he should be allowed to commentate Eels game. Did you find him quite biased? Oh, does he like the Eels? I think he's a, an assistant coach for them at the moment. Oh, right. No, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's the issue. The, the quality of people in and around the rugby league world is so... Small, I guess, or so so fixated on experience that that it's hard to not find a commentator who's not also a player manager or who's also not coaching somewhere. Or they're all involved in so many different things that they all get swept up into each other. So, I mean, I don't. I try not to listen to commentary at the best of times. So I hadn't noticed that, or I just feel like everyone's always biased against us. So I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I definitely noticed it, but I might have been looking for it. I yeah, love Ennis as a, as a commentator, but there were just a couple of little comments where he sort of made out that Parramatta had failed in, a say, an attacking raid but wasn't giving enough props to the Tigers' defence. Right. Um, so I think, and he, you know, he had a lot of comments about individual Eels players, um, you know, when they had done something not good. And he said, oh, you know, six days out of seven, he nails that and they score a try. And I'm like, yeah, but you're talking about bodies. Why don't you talk about how the defence jammed him and he couldn't get the pass away or whatever, you know? Yeah, so maybe okay. it was just that, that little Tiger fan in me getting frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, now that, now that your little Tiger fan's frustrated, that's, uh, that's also what I call my dick as well. It's amazing, the little Tiger fan. <laughs> he's, he's often frustrated. <laughs> now let's talk about the Tigers. Uh, at the Tigers 1908, that's the Bowman Tigers official account. They were loving life. They love a game against parents. So one of the tweets I'll read is just says, ambush, keep it going, boys. And they were firing up about Luke Brooks as well. Obviously, he's a Bowman local, so they were loving that. And so they were tweeting a lot about their local boy. But the Brooks-Hastings combos was a, dig, was a big talking point. At Sharky Dave 44 Hastings is definitely a different class of player from Brooks. He's looking uh, to make it happen. He won't wait for someone else. And at the Matt Bunga again tweeted, all week, we mocked the Tigers for thinking that swapping the jersey numbers around on their halves would make a difference. Turns out we were all fools. Rugby league forever. How did you see those two? Um, I think we've sort of been saying this for a little while, that Brooks needs less pressure um, to just play what's in front of him. And, and what that jersey swap seems to have done the trick. I think Hastings, from when he was a young player, um, I think he's got like the record in the in the under twenties comp for the most points scored in a you know ten minute period where he scored like twenty four points and got it. Oh team, wow! Put the team on his back, came back, kicked the field goal to win. You know this finals game um, for I assume the Roosters twenties. I think it was against the Warriors right. from memory. Um, wow. But he's he's just a, a a clutch player. 
I think that's a, a word that's come from US sport a lot, but it, you know, yeah. it's applied here. Um, he doesn't mind. He wants the ball in his hands in those moments and he's willing to uh, you know, live as a hero or die as a villain. And he just takes the game on it. And you saw that with some of his plays and not all of them worked out. There was a couple of um, moments when I thought he could have like iced the game uh, and got like built a little bit more pressure. And so, you know, his kicks went too deep and they gave away those couple of seven tackle sets. Um, but he's willing to, to try that kick that could, you know, be the thing that wins you a game, um, just allowing you to build the pressure. Um, I think a different class of player, I think they're both, got the skills but I think it's a mentality and mindset thing and, and Hastings is definitely um, definitely a point of difference to Brooks um, Interestingly they both have dealt with a huge amount of media scrutiny in very different ways but <clears throat> both journalists would know how to spell their names because they're constantly writing about Jackson Hastings when he was in the Roosters and Manly and now he's returned and Luke's obviously constantly under pressure um, as a Tiger but I agree, they, 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 they've dealt with it very differently <clears throat> and they play a really different style to each other, which, which seemed to work really well. They both ended up with a try assist. Luke ended up with two. And the other thing is Luke ended up with two uh, line break assists and Jackson would have ended up with maybe three, except for, because he was just had so many great, he just hit the lead runner. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of those passes were maybe flat or forward, but he hit that lead yeah. runner at the perfect time so many times with, um, Tarmau and with um, Tall, that they could have been line breaks. So just one guy's holding on, and they'd often get an offload, so it'd end up kind of being a, mm. a semi-line break. But those those kind of things, Luke's often hitting them too early, or it's it's telegraphed. They already know what's on. Whereas whereas well, the ones that Jackson was setting up, maybe that maybe the difference was Jackson wasn't setting those up. Luke often sets them up on fourth or fifth, where you're trying to score off them. Whereas Jackson seemed to be happy to run those on second, third, fourth tackle just for meters, and and. Uh, and they were great. They were working really well for us that game. Yeah, I think you mentioned forward passes. I don't know if it's if it's just the Tigers, um, but I feel like a lot of passes were line balls out of dummy half. Um, and that's not really a knock on Simkin because I think Little was doing it as well. Um, and Simkin offered so much aside from that. I thought he had such a great game. Yeah. Reminds me a bit of, you know, he's similar player to, to Cook or Tom Starling where it's run first. Um, and his service was, was good enough. Uh, but I think it's that uncertainty and deception around the ruck, which, you know, really opens things up a bit wider. Uh, and I think that gave, uh, I guess, Hastings and Brooks um, that little extra bit of time to, to pick the right option, like whether to, you know, send the ball on with a pass or cheeky chip in behind, um, having that half second for players with that natural ability, um, you know, is a, is a world of time. Uh, so I think Jake Simkin, hopefully, uh, isn't too badly injured. And yeah, it didn't look it good. Didn't look good. And it's his second time that he's had something big like that happen, the poor bastard. Moving moving Brooks to hooker then and bringing Madden on into the halves was also crazy. When when they were talking about it, uh, I was I was shouting at the TV, you've got to leave Brooks where he is. One, it's working. And two, mm. he's already played 70 minutes or whatever it was by then. And uh, Madden hadn't played yet. And so to put Brooks then in the middle to defend, I thought was an absolute, you know, a terrible option. They did it anyway. I think they ended up having Brooks defend in as a half, but then play attack in as a hooker. I think uh, it was only for a few minutes, and I was too, I was sweating bullets by then. But the um, it was it was crazy. It was it was 
I, I don't. I would certainly wouldn't have made that choice. What were you thinking when that happened? Um, well, I think they were talking about Brooks had played a little bit of hooker yeah, during, during the week. The week. Yeah. Um, so I think if he's if if Jock Madden hadn't had that experience or that that practice and. Um, I think it just it made sense. It is it's a tough ask putting in you know the smallest bloke on your team and someone who's not usually renowned for their defence right in the middle after playing seventy minutes. But uh, it worked out well, um, and I think Madge uh, won't be regretting it at all. No, uh, and also Luke Brooks being a bad defender is a misnomer. He he wasn't very good for maybe the first four years, but in the last three or four, he's been incredible. And there's a couple of times we saw it in this game where. They used to have big second rounds running him all the time and they'd score, but that um, that stopped. And we saw him, they tried it with Madison in this game and he fucking picked him up and drove him. It was an incredible highlight. And the only time that they scored, Papa Lee then scored during the exact same play, but it's because it was immediately after that tackle where Luke had made the tackle, so he was the marker. And then Papa Lee ran over the next guy, I think it was Stafford Toa and Dane Laurie, because Luke wasn't in the line. So, uh, no, he's an excellent defender and, and, and did a great job there, but I agree. It was. I think it was the tiredness that was a bit weird. Now, <clears throat> no, that's what made the decision weird. But uh, you know what? They ended up happening though. Was Luke had the ball in his hands a lot more, so he made a lot more decisions, which I loved. And he, um, and he scooted on that last. He came out the 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 tr- play before we kicked the drop goal. He comes out of dummy half to look up. Dane Laurie's already overrun the play, and so instead of just dumping it to someone else, he took that run after seventy nine minutes of playing football. Did a quick play of the ball, which made us, which gave to mm. Hastings the opportunity to kick it. So. Uh, now let's spend some time talking just about two players. I want to give some real time to first James Tarmow and then Dane Laurie. So first of all, at NBWT underscore underscore, he said, thought James Tarmow and Zane Musgrove were both excellent winning the yardage in their stints at the double TW. Uh, I still can't believe it. Jack's Jacko Brooks pairing, Luciano giving it all, Tarmow playing his best game and leading from the front. That is our night. And Mundalism said Tarmow was leading the points in the first half he needed to play more minutes. So t- Mundalism was a guy who ends up giving the daily end points, sorry, the hyper end points at the end of it. And he said Tama was, by the end of the first half, he was going to get the three points. The only thing that took it off him was he just didn't play enough in the second half and the other guys did. So shoot your shot about your boy. Oh, uh, look, I was so, I think that's the best game Jimmy's played in a Tigers jersey that I can remember. Um, and even though... He, he came back in with about 15 to go in the second half. Um, I thought, yeah, I think he played 25, nearly 30 in the first half. So it was a solid stint um, from the big boy. Uh, I think something that really stood out to me was, I think it was within the same set. He, he made, um, he got an offload in the tackle. Um, you know, he was being held by three men. And like you said, he was, kept his feet and he was like still moving forward. He got an arm free and got a really late um, offload. And that was on the right-hand side of the field in that sort of right third. And then a couple of plays later, the ball went to ground um, and Jimmy was over on the left-hand side of the field, like cleaning up the scraps. He picked up, you know, a ball that had been bobbled or dropped. Um, And I think his movement around the park was something that I haven't seen for a while and I think that's what really stood out to me he was just everywhere always pressuring on um on opposition kicks one moment he there was no one to protect the kicker after one of your players was playing the ball and he sprinted 20 meters diagonally to get there just to block someone who was going to pressure the kicker and I think little efforts like that which don't show up on stats 
um, are probably the things that uh, who was it Mundalism was noticing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you know, in the high brands, it's not gonna not gonna be recorded in any way. But when you see mm. your captain, you know, making a 20, 20 meter sprint just to give you, you know, an to extra half your boy. second to make a kick. Yeah. Um, I think those sorts of things are why Jimmy got brought to the club. Um, yeah, his his best game in Tigers colours for mine, and um, you know, heaps of offloads, uh, never easy to put down, and something that he did uh, in the Cowboys Grand Final. Um, which, you know, I think contributed majorly to them winning that 2015 GF was his quick play the ball that got yeah. the ball back to Thurston to, to make that, um, that play. Um, and I think he's still got one of the quickest play the balls for a big, big old fella. Um, he still gets that ball down to ground safely, rolls it through and, and gets it to the dummy half. Let um, me give you the stats because he's, he's, Looking at it, other than Luciano Leilua, who amazingly has a play the ball speed average of two point seven four, after that it's him at two point at three point two three. Um, everyone else is is higher than that. That's that's incredible. So, and even like Dane Laurie, David Nofaluma, who who are quite good at that kind of shit, they're still not getting anywhere near um near two point two three. That is excellent. And you're right about his two sets. He played thirty minutes and then fifteen minutes. He had thirteen hit ups, but two of them were tackle breaks. Like just. And considering, as you said, that's 45 minutes on two of the hardest ends, the very first 30 minutes and then the last 15 minutes. That's incredible that he's got that happening statistical-wise. Um, yeah, he, um, you know, he should hold his head high. and um, Yeah, real captain's knock. Yeah, okay. And now the other thing that we want to then look at is Dane, highlight of the season, Laurie. <clears throat> at Angus Bacon, 20, oh, no, maybe I should walk us through it. Because I've watched it seven hundred thousand times, I can tell you. Jackson kicks it from about the forty-five, uh, forty-five meters out. Beautiful bomb lands about two, three meters short of the goal line. Gutho, perfect footing, perfect uh, placement. Like uh, knew exactly where it was going to go and put himself there. But Dane Laurie, absolutely on rollerblades, flying through. And the moment the ball went up, Dane had timed his perfect the the run perfectly, and it was so obvious that even on the high shot. Whoever was commentating was just like, Dane Laurie's flying through and he had about 20 metres still to go. The moment Gutho caught it, boosh, straight in the ribs. And and my father-in-law, who I was watching it with, said that's a three-way hurt. Hurts you in the front when he hits you, hurts you in the back when your back hits the floor, and then hurts you for the third time when you realise where you are. Because he hit him so hard, he started in the field of play and ended up in the in goal, and then fucking got up and made him eat it with his... It was so, so good. At Bacon... Angus Bacon, 21. Dane murdering Gutho. Hook it to my veins. At Dane Talentine. That tackle and reaction from Dane Laurie is definitely a memory from 2021 when Gutho scored and threw the ball at him afterwards. Yes, you absolutely love to see it. At Ella PK3, who's a Manly fan. Dane Laurie, what a hit. Uh, at the bounce of the ball pod. Dane Laurie, I'm really proud of you. At Butsy888. That Dane of fucking Laurie at Kit and Cat Matt, who are Knights fans. Dane Laurie just lived my dream. And finally, <laughs> and finally, at Simon underscore ill 97 tweeted, would like a handwritten apology from every single moron who was hating on Dane Laurie a couple of weeks ago. Now, we know he had he had a game where he was dropping some balls, may have been against Newcastle, some, maybe the Warriors. Didn't have a great game. And some people were asking for his resignation. He got injured or COVID or something. He missed a week. In fact, that's what happened with this fucking week. He had COVID. He didn't train all week, came back yesterday, I think, uh, for the captain's run and then played and had this kind of a game. 
that that tackle is you know obviously I want to talk about because it was fucking incredible, but he had a game like he already was having a game before that tackle. Yeah, he's he's one of the candidates for pound for pound best player in the comp because he's yeah. he seems tiny when he's out there, um, and he plays so high above his weight. Like Gutho is a, a big man, a solid man who had planted his feet three meters out from his own goal line and just got. Laurie just ran so perfectly. His timing was perfect. His positioning with his tackle, like if he'd hit with one shoulder, Gutho probably could have like spun out or slipped past or, you know, it wouldn't have been a solid contact to get him back in to the in goal. He had to hit him with his entire body and he did. And it was perfect. It was the perfect tackle. Yeah. And in the scheme of the game, so important as well. So important. You're that right. Pressure on. Yeah. Um, I think... That's probably the biggest play of Dan Laurie's career so far, I think. Um, when you take into account the narrative, the 0-5 start to the season, the Eels are flying. Everyone wants to know if the Eels are going to win 13-plus or 40-plus. Um, and that just showed the desire, um, you know, to do the, that little bit extra. He could have he could have run just, you know, just as fast but pulled himself up a little yeah. bit and made certain of the tackle. Um, you know, and it still would have been a great result, I'm sure. But he said, saw, you know, he saw the opportunity to to change the game, and he did. And, and fucking fed him afterwards. And all of the players, <laughs> went up and, everyone ran up and fed Gutho because he really feels like the kind of guy who you would love to feed. You know what I mean? Like he just looks like he's so chirpy and does the Gutherino and shit like that. And I fucking love it. Like I really love that we have Gutho in the comp because he's a great character for this kind of shit. Um, but it just means that it's even more exciting than when everyone comes back and fucking talks to him about it. The next play, because they, they kick the ball. Well, we get a repeat set. We we try and send it out wide, try and score, and we don't. And Dane's the last one to touch it, and Gutharino's the last one to tackle him. And they get up, and Gutharino's fucking wagging his finger going, no fucking way, you're not scoring. You might be able to put a little hit on me when I'm not watching, but you can't fucking score against me. And and everyone's smiling, whatever. Like, it's that kind of bloke smile that's fucking terrifying. You don't want to be anywhere near it because you know something's just about to kick off. But it's a great, it was a great fucking energy to be having a physical game of football with that kind of bullshit having around it. Uh, yeah, fullback on fullback. One of the yes. top one of the top fullbacks in the game and one of the up and comers, like old line, young line sort of thing. Yeah. I think that's pretty much what Gutho was saying at that, you know, that last that last little tackle there. But Dane got the final laugh. Yeah, that's it. Let's get to that now. Game came down to the final seconds. Jas Jackson Hastings. Aced it. Clutch, as you said before. I fucking lost it. My phone blew up immediately at the Sportress just treated me at the Biggest Tiger. I think uh, I think it's still undefeated, meaning Rugby League's still undefeated. At Eagle Eye Kiwi also said Rugby League is undefeated at the Biggest Tiger. At Terry underscore Bull tweeted at the Biggest Tiger. Rugby League is undefeated. Everyone just kept sending me all of this stuff. I loved it. At Aussie Jag. Congratulations at the Big T. At Warriors NRL Fanatics. Congratulations at the Biggest Tiger at Jason underscore Adam 639. Congratulations, big man at the Biggest Tiger. And then this, and then I got uh, I got text messages, one from my brother-in-law who I dead said, don't even know how he has my number. I think he went and got it just to message me. This is my, when I say my brother-in-law, I don't mean my sister's husband. I mean my wife's brother's wife's brother. That's who we're talking about oh. here. He messaged me. He's a massive Roosters fan. He just wrote, yes, sir, exclamation mark. <laughs> Everyone's just trying to get around it. Uh, at Splinter, he tweeted, friggin' brilliant and Boomsy08. Uh, sorry, he messaged me just going, outstanding. I was right with you. He's obviously a Bunnies fan. Splinter is a Knights fan. Everyone was around it. It was such a time. 
um, at under, underscore goddamn Gunton again. He tweeted, at the biggest saga, congrats, my guy, on what was an entertaining game. Stoked for Hastings to make uh, the number seven. He is now, God, goddamn Gunton again is a massive Eels fan and a massive legend. He and I have a beer bet every single time the Eels and Tigers play. So every time the Eels have won over the last fucking three years and five games in that three years, I've sent a beer or I've, I've ordered a beer at his local uh, BWS or whatever it is. They don't sponsor the pod. So they beer shop. And then he goes in whichever crazy North Queensland town it is to go and get his beer. And I think I've sent him now maybe five cases. And so this was the first time he was so excited for me. He pretty much wanted to buy me a brewery. He was so excited that they finally won because he's such a great bloke. But he was on the tweet straight away just going like, congratulations, my man. That's so great. Because rugby league is such a great place. Social media isn't a bad place. You just need to pull all the right people. Once that had happened, were you watching it live? Like when you saw that happen, how did you react? Um, I was probably 10 minutes behind because yep. I had, um, you know, things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have, and I, I turned my phone off if I'm not watching a game live or I put it away somewhere because I've had games spoiled for me. Yeah. Um, but I I was in the same boat. I thought of you instantly. Yeah. Um, and just I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Was thinking of just like everyone who's been, you know, so hard on the Tigers and, you know, nitpicking with every decision they make and saying how much they suck and none of these changes are going to be big enough. You're never going to get a win until you axe Brooks or axe Madge or, you know, everyone's always got these answers. And I think this was really a a win for the purists, the rugby league purists, because when the Tigers are doing well, rugby league's doing well. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, mate, so so happy for them. Like no one wants to see a team just suffer and suffer and suffer unless they're they're true um, NRL sadists. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was G'd. It was it was a great ending to a great game, which was a great game to end a great weekend of footy. Well um, said. You know, it's just it was the the literal cherry on top, although not the literal. Yeah. The Adin Django, I don't know how to say that. Sorry, hey Sam. At West Tigers fans, we shouldn't get too carried away. Oh, sorry, as West Tigers fans, we shouldn't get too carried away with yesterday's win. The second time we kicked it dead in the last 10 minutes, giving power a seven tackle set should have been the end of us. We should just count our lucky stars. Mitch Moses isn't at all clutch. Now, that is pretty fair because there were there were two opportunities where we looked like we should have kicked it Jackson Hastings and um, the other bloke who was. Uh, Madden. Madden both had an opportunity they both dummied they both kicked Molly Grubbers and they both went fuck like legit dead no one chasing uh, and yeah. so we were we were mildly lucky in that respect that looked very Tigers-y um, but there's something that I felt even more Winnie-ish about the fact that Parramatta got a chance to do their drop call and miss like I feel like you really win a, a golden point dash one point second game if both teams get a chance. Like, I don't, I don't know. I know that sounds silly, but when I was watching, because I have watched the game again already, the um, when I was watching it again, now now that I know that they had a chance and couldn't do it because of the pressure or whatever that we put on, I think it's James Tamo again, fucking running out of from from uh, from marker, marker, putting that pressure on him. That just makes me feel like we fucking won. Like you had a chance and you couldn't do it. We had a chance and we fucking could do it. And that just made me feel even better about the win. Um, although it didn't, does make a good point. Score. Uh, 21-20. Oh, now... Yeah, you... it, feels, it feels 
um, you almost feel cheated as a fan if you go into Golden Point or if um, it's that race to Golden Point time yeah. and one, one team just sort of moves the ball all the way up and kicks it straight away and that's it. The other team doesn't get a right of reply. <laughs> that's right. Right of reply is a great way to put it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, now, Mandalism ended up doing his 3-2-1. Parramatta, Moses got the three. Penasini got the two and, Ma- and Marnie got the one. Marnie had a fucking incredible game actually as well. I forgot that. Mm. West's... Uh, Leilua got the three, and he was fucking excellent both sides of the ball. Simkin got the two, even though he got injured, and Twile got the one. But as you said, uh, it could have also gone to Tarmau. Twile was excellent. He came off the bench. He's he. I I had told people at the beginning of the year doing fantasy around the Tigers, like you got to get around Twile because he's going to be peaking now. And he's a perfect player for the Madge regime, and he's going to be peaking. Coming off the bench, I think it's a bit weird, but you could see in this game the moment he was on, bending the line offloads, quick play the balls. Like he, he's an absolute machine. I'm fucking loving him so much. Um, yeah. He's, um, would you, do you think he plays, where do you think he plays? Would you start him at prop or would you replace off of Hengawe? No, only 13? prop. He, he's, he started to throw some balls in this one, which was great. I've never, almost never seen him throw a pass before, but um, no, he's, he's a prop all day of the week. He's, he's too big and too slow and he's, he's great at that kind of shit. Um, so I made so much noise. You know, you've seen me in real life when I've got an opportunity to speak in a huge space. I have a big voice. And so in this instance, once we scored or Noffer almost scored and then we almost scored that, we kicked that drop goal. I was way louder than I should have been in that poor small apartment to all those poor people. I'm sure you can imagine. But there was a thousand people there with me at Dom Sullivan, 18. I'm honestly emotional right now. I'm so fucking proud of my club right now. Hopefully this kickstarts our season. Over the moon, man. Over the moon. At Burjo0806, she's a, a lovely lady. She has such a beautiful son, Lachlan, who's in everything as well. He's, pro- he's a bigger Tigers fan than me. Blokes five or six, and he has been a massive Tigers fan since he was about zero. She tweeted, oh, what a game. They did it. I have the happiest little Tiger right now. He cheered and cheered all game. Unbelievable celebrations at full time. So happy. Now, she's a massive Dragons fan, so she just had two incredible nights back-to-back. Um, and so it's so good to see her celebrate with her son like that but it also reminded me that I got to celebrate with my son this was the first time um, he had really felt my energy coming from the end of a game so he knew the Tigers were playing he's been he has we have a magnet um, ladder where we where all of the teams are magnetized you can put them back on the ladder and he puts the Tigers at the top every single time um, which I fucking love so he definitely gets it he does my wife's tipping for him as well and so every single week without me even saying anything we get to the Tigers game he always hits the Tigers fucking little legend but in this game, the Eels won. I was obviously losing my mind, like so loud, literally dancing in the, in the thing. And my wife was trying to tell him, that is because it's, it's half-half. You don't really know yet, is, is this guy really angry or upset or what's happening? He's just literally volcanoed. And so my wife was trying to tell him, she was trying to tell him he was really excited. And I was trying to say, eventually when I kind of pulled myself together, I was saying, who won, Littlest, who won? Eels played the Tigers, who won? And he was like, Tigers win. And then I would pick him up and like throw him, dance him around the room, put him back down. And he would say, Tigers, we in. And I'd pick him back up and dance him around the room. So he was finally like really, that's the first time I've ever been able to do that with him. Like every other time, he's just kind of been too young or whatever. Well, it would have been fucking six months ago. I mean, you know how much a kid changes in, in a week. So six months, maybe more since since the guy's seen the Tigers fucking win. And so he was, he was all in it. And that was such a, a moment. You were saying at the beginning of this thing that your little bunny was there, but she wasn't really in it. Well, mine's also for years never really been in it, but this was the first time where he was he was cheated up. And even this morning, we were having breakfast. He was getting down. Then he said to me, "Like Tigers won, Dada. Tigers won." So I picked him back up, dancing him around, and that's the kind of shit more than like buying him jumpers or whatever. Him actually feeling that fucking pure joy emotion of 
of Tigers doing that. Hopefully he'll be telling his therapist in 20 years, you know, my dad fucking used to really love the Tigers winning and that's had a real <laughs> negative impact on my social, social, <laughs> social and emotional well-being. But the other thing I got him to do uh, was, you may have seen this on the socials, I've got a whole bunch of stickers that I'll get him to put on, on the back of my car. And that we went out, we were trying to burn some time. He had a, like a water squeezy thing. And we went out there and we we're just cleaning those stickers as like a paying homage to the gods of rugby league that we go out there and, and clean the shrine. And he fucking loved that. So unfortunately at NRL conspiracies tweeted that I now have to do that routine every game day uh, and got, gave me a spray bottle image, but uh, I will, I'll do whatever we need to do. Yeah. And that's an enjoyable little uh, routine. I, I can't see that, that being any problems with doing that weekly until you know, potentially you start losing again and then you <laughs> toss that spray bottle. Throw the car out. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Oh, what a time. Fucking what a win. So good to win. And so good to win just like that. It was so good. Anything else you want to say about it? Because I'm happy to keep talking about it. Are you done? Um, <laughs> let, me, let me have a look. Go through my notes. Take the notes. Um, it's only been an hour, oh. oh, Dean. So take your time. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. I'm all good. I just, I, I'm still frothing on how well Simpkin went. Yeah. Just the highs and lows of rugby league. He had his best game in the NRL and then that injury, which hopefully isn't too bad. Um, but I love seeing him and Reed Marnie actually came together. It's pretty rare. I think you see a hooker tackle another hooker. Right. Um, you know, that's not like just a sneaky dummy half run. It was after Stafford Toa had made a big break. Um, and I think Simpkin ended up with an offload and, and ran straight into Barney with a, a head of steam and watching two little, like, you know, little hard men run into each other. And I loved that. That was probably one of my favourite moments of the match. <laughs> and I'm being a little fella myself. Um, but, yeah, on the whole, just buzzing still. Such a, such a great win. Such a great game. I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. I'm Ali. And I'm Lulu. And this is Lulu, Lulu and Ali's 42 Big. So Lulu, what round is it? It's round seven. Correct. So, first one, Sharks versus Eels. Uh, sea Eagles, sorry. Um, this one's a hard Sea Eagles. Sea Eagles. Most people think it's Sharks because they're coming second. I'm going to go with Sharks, though. I'm doing it. I'm um, Broncos, Broncos. And, d- Broncos and Bulldogs? Broncos. Yeah, Broncos. Okay. Sorry, Bulldogs. Um, Cowboys and Titans? Cowboys. Yeah, most people think Cowboys. Because they're eighth and they have yes. oh, but oh, that's hard. T- West Tigers and Rabbitohs. Tigers. Tigers. They haven't won a single one yet. That's so sad. Okay, Eagles and Eels and Knights. Get those ones mixed up. I think Eels, but that is a hard one. Yeah. Panthers and Raiders. Panthers for sure. And they think margin fourteen. What do you think? Twenty-one. No, twenty-two. I'm going to say 16. All right, Dragons versus Roosters. Yeah, that's a hard one. Roosters. Well, let's see what people think. Yeah, they think Roosters because they've won the most. And then Storms and Warriors. Mm. Storms. That's what I think. Yeah. Storms. Yeah, uh, most, pe- most people think Storms, yeah. 
All right, well, that's it for this week on Lulu, Lulu and Ali's 40 Tipping. And bye-bye. See ya. Bye. My nephews, those little legends. Oh, I've just finished the tipping, but fucking Lulu, that poor bastard, he'd done seven from seven. I think the first game of the round I had tipped Raiders, he had tipped the upset with the Cowboys and then tipped the rest of them. So he was running seven from seven into that Tigers game. He's staunch like me, who always tips the Tigers. And I said to him, look, you're shooting for the moon. So, like, if you want to get off the Tigers just to tip the Eels, like, I give you my blessing. No one's going to get upset with you because you're trying to get eight from eight. That's excellent. And he said, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But I know after a little while, he was like, you know what? I think I'm going to jump off. And I was like, yeah, no, I completely understand. His brother and I stayed on the Tigers, though, because we weren't, we weren't shooting the moon. And he fucking ended up losing the whole thing on that. Like, that's, that, that, that's why you never change your tips. <laughs> anyway, everyone's, you know, you've got to, you've got to learn how you're going to learn. Uh, so looking at our tipping comp, your boy ended up tipping seven. So I jumped up to nine. You're sitting pretty on sixth. You've had a big drop. You only uh, tipped three right last week. Holy shit. Well, I um I forgot to put my tips in, so I got all the uh, weight like so I didn't tip the bunnies, I didn't tip the panthers. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got the so, tigers though. There you go. Um, it's just been yeah, all the away teams. Um, no, but that's but that's the thing. I realized halfway through the weekend, and then put in my tips, and I lost. I tipped wrong three out of four. Oh no! So, <laughs> so I was like, oh, you know, I had a, I had a shock. I tried to pick an upset with the sharks. Um, and yeah, Didn't not a good week for me, but I'll, I'll crawl back up. That's what uh, I do best. All a big shout out as well, also to your boy Big T, because I tipped the most amount of right in the entire round from our entire tipping comp. So you can all suck my dick from the back. Let's look at uh, the the <laughs> that the big lock or the big. Sh- what's your lock of the week? Do you think? Ah, uh, well, after that um, lovely comment from you, I'm going to tip the bunnies to beat the tigers. <laughs> And beat them big. Yeah, okay. Well, Tigers, Bunnies, yeah, that's a good shout. I can't believe we've dropped down to 350. That's ludicrous. Uh, I would also take, obviously, Panthers versus anyone, and they're against the Raiders, so that's probably a good one. And also Storm versus, Storm versus Warriors, that's also going to be a blowout. So yeah. the more you put down, the more you get back, everyone gamble responsibly. What, um, what do you reckon is the game of the, game of the round outside of the Tigers-Rabbitohs? Well, I reckon you guys pants us, if I'm completely honest. Cows, Titans should be really good. I still don't know how each of those teams are going to go. So that yeah, could be a great good game. Good yardstick. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them. Sharks and Eagles. I just see the Sharks. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I just see the Sharks winning that comfortably. I know it's that it doesn't make sense because Manly's got... Oh, no. Tarovich isn't back, right? So No, he's not. Oh, the they've, they've won two well. without him, though. Yeah. yeah. Sharks at home, though. They're, they're so strong there at the moment. Just like Manly's strong at home, so... No, I'm on the Sharks for that one for sure. It's great that it's a Thursday night game. Lots of people will be watching that one. I now have the uh, top 10 from the Hyper M's. Sorry if this is coming in a bit late. Uh, well, you wouldn't know that because you were seeing it for the first time. <laughs> top 10. Number 10 is Mitchell Moses, 11.09. Number 9, Joseph Manu. Number 8, Jack Whiten. Jason Tamalola is number 7. Number 6 is Dylan Edwards. Uh, Akulawatu, 11.76. Uh, uh, Talaki... Uh, is 11.8. Cameron Murray still at the top. Anvanil Blake, 12.88. And Cam Munster uh, skyrocketing to the top, 13.54. Next week, I'm hopefully going to remember to put this up against the actual Daily M's and up against the League Unlimited uh, leader points as well to see who's kind of in everyone's top 10. Um, but it's looking good. It's not heavily based in and around halves, which is great. 
uh, obviously 10 and 1 are, but Cam Murray, uh, they're still, I haven't seen, after the, the drop-off from the lock, I uh, can't remember from Isaiah Yo, gone. Anyway, great top 10. Keep it up, Hyperams. Any other wowments or news that you wanted to quickly touch on? No, I think we've touched on the, the thing that wowed me the most is just how incredible this comp is. It's getting mm. closer. It's getting more unpredictable, which is what you want from sport, unless you're a gambler. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm loving rugby league. At Mick, uh, at Campo37 did tweet, I've seen enough. Scott Sorensen is in for City Origin this year. Congrats to him. I love that tweet, one, because I love thinking about City Origin uh, and Country Origin. Scott Sorensen is the only wowman I had him in that game where the Eels ended up uh, killing them. But he he just had one of those weird, not like a Freddie Fittler big left foot step where like you could see it coming and then you understood how it made that guy, the defender, disappear. Scott was running at the line and then puts on like the smallest little Irish jig and then back into the backfield. And he's so huge, but he's so fast. He was he was wild in that game. Yeah, Scotty. Uh, he came from the Sharks, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, with big wraps and... He was sort of bought to the Panthers as a bit player, you know, to come on and, and give some people a, a stint. But, yeah, he showed that he's definitely an RL standard. Um, I don't know how much longer the Panthers have got him signed for, but it, I'm sure there'll be other clubs poking around. And isn't it a shame there's no city versus country anymore? I know. I love those I games. I used to love those games. Um, but, yeah, mate, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't push back against the Scotty Sorensen in a city jersey. That's no. for sure. The fact that you've... I know you're doing this on purpose because poking in was something I'd certainly do and push back is also something I'd certainly do because you're only gay if you push back. That bloke's rig is outrageous. Yeah, he's a handsome fella, that's oh, for sure. At Nate we Taylor, should just do a hot guy top 13. You know what? It's, well, we would be the third podcast I know of to do it because it's, it's done over and over again. And you'll be excited right. to know as well that I, was, I uh, asked a question on a, on a West Tigers podcast recently that was... What's the three hottest West Tigers currently in the uh, squad and what's the five all time? And uh, I'm going to release that. They answered it and they did a great job. So I'm going to post that through the socials. At Nate Tyler 87, he also tweeted that 20 consecutive wins at home and six straight to start the year for the Panthers. Talk about Good Friday. 20 consecutive wins at home. They're now a record second, I think. for And they're tying with teams like the Dragons from the fucking 50s and 60s. Like, it's outrageous. Yeah, it's a new era out there, out west. Um... I think, I think having a group of players who grew up playing together and, and actually love each other like family, like yeah. that core, that core Samoan group. I think there's like six Samoan players who grew up together, playing and living, um, you know, so close. I think that can't be underestimated mm. um, for how well a team plays. Um, obviously, Nate Cleary's the best halfback in the game at the moment. Ivan's shown himself to be a fantastic coach. They've got um, an incredible rugby league nursery out there. And I think this is the start of something that's going to be, be around for a long time. I think yeah. the West is really finding its identity and, uh, and they're at the forefront of it. We wouldn't have got that win without your support. We heard you cheering the whole 60 minutes and we bloody love yous. We found the end of another app for you legends who listen the whole way through. Thank you. We hope that you can dummy as well as Cam Munster. Give the podcast a cheeky five stars. Tell your friends. Speaking of friends, OD, you have been an absolute pleasure, sir. Always a good time with you, mate. Enjoy your sport for another week. Get around good people on the socials, and we'll talk to you next time, sports best friends.
Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.